Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I think I feel like it's another ass comment, but Jason Jason just called you on your bluff and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to another episode of the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. Jason here. I promised myself that I was not going to address this whole Novak situation, but again, there is more news, of course, as you probably know by now, by the time this episode drops, he is no longer competing in the Australian Open. His visa was not reinstated, so he is on a jet plane. Don't know when he'll be back again. Sorry, a little off key there, but you get the gist. He is on his way to Dubai. He flew out of Dubai um, on his way to Melbourne to compete, and now he's back on that plane. I know for many, it's too bad, so sad. Uh, Unfortunately, I think it's really bad for the tournament that he won't be able to compete. A lot of eyes would have been on the sport and on tennis just for this particular issue alone. I think many who have been following the story understand the decision and respect the decision and the fact that it probably is supported by most of Australia that somebody who is unvaccinated is removed. It is a complete and utter debacle situation, full stop. Uh, Very distracting, I think, from all of the other great tennis that has been going on in Australia over the last couple of weeks. And the storylines that have emerged, which I'm going to talk about. Now, hopefully, we can move on and really just enjoy the Australian Open. I think the first couple of days of the tournament, it's going to continue to be a storyline. And hopefully, you know, maybe Novak uh, will be best served to sort of keep his mouth shut and let the tournament happen and maybe address it afterwards. Uh, It'll be hard to do that, especially if he ends up. Uh, landing in Serbia and he gets close to his family who love to hold press conferences and address um, and speak up, I guess, for Novak. So we'll see how that all shakes down. I did promise myself as I was preparing to record that I was not going to talk about this, but it's hard not to when the situation has sort of reached its apex and reached a conclusion, which is that Novak is forced to withdraw from the tournament that number one position now goes to, I think, a lucky loser. So we'll see um, how this takes shape and how the story evolves, if it does, um, in the start of the event. But again, uh, Novak is out of there. Okay, let us move on to talking about some actual tennis, because there is actual tennis going on. The best place for us to start really in talking about all the tennis that's going on in Australia is really to start with Team Canada. ATP Cup champions, I promise I will not sing the national anthem, but I do think we have to give our boys some kudos. Aldwin and I do spend a lot of time on the show giving FAA and Dennis a hard time, but 
I think they deserve a lot of credit. They really pulled through. And Team Canada was in a tough spot early on in the ATP Cup because it was uh, uncertain whether Dennis was going to be able to compete, having um, been tested positive for COVID upon arrival in Australia. So what ended up happening there actually was the quarantine rules changed just um just post i think his his positive test a few days after so he was initially i think going to have to quarantine for at least 10 days and have some negative test results prior to that but it got reduced to five days so he was able to sneak in there and be able to compete with team canada that didn't help in their first tie however they went down 0-3 to team usa so it was not a good start for them but uh, things started to turn around against Great Britain, who they took out 2-1. Uh, they won uh, the first uh, singles match. Second singles, Dan Evans took out Dennis. So that was uh, Chapo's first singles match. Obviously, perhaps some rust there. But what's great about the ATP Cup is it often comes down to what happens in that pivotal uh, doubles encounter. And Felix and Dennis were able to team up to take out Murray and Salisbury four and one. So they took that tie and headed in with some confidence uh, against a tough, tough German team. I think this was the tie that obviously built up their confidence. Dennis has a losing record against Lon Jan Lennard Struff. I believe it's two and five uh, coming into this particular match. So it was always going to be a tough uh, matchup for Dennis. Not sure what it is about Struff's game that causes him such uh, difficulty, but uh, two and five um, maybe put some doubt into your mind as you're going into a particular match that is of such importance. But Dennis was able to pull it out in three sets, uh, winning the first, going down in the second and taking the third 6-3. And then FAA, let's give him some credit. His biggest win of his career thus far in terms of seeding, taking out Alexander Zverev, another great match. One of the um, things that we always harp on about Felix is his tendency to overhit, particularly, actually on both sides, uh, but particularly on his forehand. Um, but this particular match, he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Zverev and uh, was able to pull it out. So that certainly instilled some confidence, I think, for sure, in in the team heading into their tie with Russia in the semifinals. I had little expectation, to be honest, about how they were going to do against Russia. Obviously, the match, the first match with Saforian, I believe is how you pronounce it. Not quite sure. But uh, the, the number two singles player from Russia who let's be honest, is very attractive. Posted a story about him on our IG as I was watching the match. Him changing his shirt. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, anyway, that turned out to be a very tough match. He's a, quite a solid player, so looking forward to seeing what more comes from him. Uh, he's sort of in the Karatsev uh, lane in terms of the ATP Cup uh, this year being the number two and sort of the secret wef weapon as uh, Daniil uh, coined for Karatsev last year. But uh, competed really well. Uh, unfortunately, Dennis, unfortunately for him, but, you know, good for us that Chapo was able to take him out in three sets. 
The second match I knew was going to be tough, Medvedev and FAA. If any of you watched the U.S. Open semifinal, you knew Medvedev is a tough matchup for FAA, and that that remained true here as well uh, with uh, FAA losing for and love. He just had no answers. Medvedev, if you watch his matches, he basically plays behind the location sign at the back of the court. I don't know how that works out for players, but he, for some reason, is able to just return the ball, play defense, and then pick his spot. And he was able to hit several passing shots against FAA and left him, quite frankly, flummoxed. And going into the tiebreaker doubles match, it did not uh, look good as they went down in the first set, uh, 6-4. It was looking tough, um, tough for them to win that tie. But for some reason, they were able to come back win that second set, and then uh, we're a bit more solid in the tiebreaker, taking it 10-7. So the final was also, I was unsure how this was going to go. Karina Busta and RBA are very solid players for Spain. Of course, no Rafa Nadal this year. He decided to play the warm-up in Melbourne. But Team Canada obviously had some confidence going into these two matches, and they took both players out in straight sets. So congratulations to Team Canada. Their first ATP title, FAA's first actual trophy. <laughs> he has obviously had eight eight or nine runner-up trophies in ATP events, but this is the first title for FAA. I think it bodes well for them and their confidence going into the start of the slam season and the start of the year. You know, if we harken back to, I think, 2010 or 2011, when Djokovic won the um, Davis Cup that particular year and how that helped propel him. And, you know, we know where he is now, having won 20 slams, but out of out of the Australian Open. It'll uh, be interesting to see how this helps these two players in particular, FAA and Chapo, as they start uh, 2022. So congratulations, Team Canada. Still not going to sing the national anthem for you, but wanted to start by talking at least uh, and giving them the congratulations that they deserve. Continuing on with the men, I think it's important to talk about this homegrown story that has evolved over the last couple of weeks with Thanasi Kokonakis. Admittedly, I had no recollection of what his actual first name was. I just knew him as Kokonakis, but uh, now I know his first name, Thanasi. And uh, what a great story this has been. So obviously, uh, if you've followed a bit of his uh, career, you know that he's been saddled with injuries pretty much since the end of 2015 shoulder surgery followed by complications with that and then just other injuries that have really hindered his ability to uh, come back and sort of have sustained play that would build up his ranking and so on so it's really been uh, challenging he's sort of in the Del Potro lane in terms of just a guy who's been consistently challenged by the Uh, you know letdowns that his body have caused him but he's somebody who's well liked and has gained the hearts and and sympathies of his peers on the tour as a result of all of that um 
but here he is playing in his hometown of Adelaide. Played both events, by the way. There was the Adelaide International number one and number two. Wins three matches in that first tournament, making it to the semifinals, losing to the eventual champion, Gael Monfils. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well and how he's playing. Stays in Adelaide for Adelaide International number two. Beats Benoit Pair, Four in Love. Beats Isner in a three-set thriller filled with not one, not two, but three tie breaks and takes the final set tie break 7-4. Beats a countryman uh, named Vukic, who I have not heard of before, uh, but beats him in uh, three sets as well. Another player who's playing really well, he beats him, Marin Cilic, again in three sets. This is one of the matches that I did watch. He was up 6-2 in that third set tiebreak, blew that lead, uh, so it was very tense, I think, particularly for the hometown crowd that was rooting for him, but ended up taking that match 12-10. And then uh, beats a Frenchman, Rindergnich, in the final. Again, in three sets, taking it 6-3 in the third set. So now he holds his first ATP title, gets the congratulation messages not only from Roger Federer, but the one and only deported one. <laughs> I'm not going to say his name anymore because it's too much. We have to stop talking about him. But congratulations to this guy. It's been a long time coming, I think, for him and the ordeals that he's had to deal with. It's obviously great that he was able to do it in his hometown. Something about that crowd obviously motivated him. Having watched the Chilich match, I can tell you there were they were solidly behind him, obviously. So uh, kudos to him. That trophy is very large. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the particular shape of it or anything, but you can check it out online. It's the same trophy that uh, Gael Monfils won in week one. Kudos to him. Interesting guy, obviously, someone who has been on the tour for many, many years now. Always known to be very entertaining and considered to be one of the most athletic, I think, on the tour. Did really well in the tournament, won all four matches in straight sets. Didn't really have too much trouble. I think his toughest battle was in the final against Hachanov, four and four. So he wins his 11th title of his career. I think what's interesting about Gael Monfils is that athleticism really hasn't translated into results at the Grand Slams. Maybe it's something to do with the best of five format. I'm not really sure. You would think that somebody who is known for such great athleticism would be able to sort of pull uh, pull things out in five set matches but that has not been the case for him he's only made the semifinals at the french open uh and i think the quarterfinals at the australian open so i'm not sure if he will be able to make a run i know we're in an era where older players are playing much longer he is up there in terms of his age uh, at 35 so we'll see what happens uh, with him obviously he's regained some motivation and is regaining some confidence in playing well 
maybe his marriage has something to do with that but always nice to see him out on the court and and doing well because he's well liked by the players and and by fans it remains to be seen how well he'll be able to do at uh, the australian open one more thing on the adelaide events before we move on to what was happening in melbourne and sydney marin chilich now don't rag on me for mentioning marin i know some might might not find him entertaining or enjoyable but he has been playing really well let's admit making both semifinals in each of the Adelaide uh, events somebody who has been rebuilding his ranking over the last several months won a title at the tail end of 2021 and has success at the slams having made the final of the Aussie Open final of Wimbledon and having won the US Open back in 2014 He's another sort of elder statesman, as it were, at age 33. But again, rebuilding his ranking, somebody I think that we need to watch out for uh, in the draw in the AO. Haven't looked into the draw just yet. I will uh, get to that later today. But somebody who can be a dangerous player if he's playing really well. So two semifinals tells me he's playing really well. So do watch out for him and don't rag on me for calling him out in this particular episode because I think he can be a dangerous player. Okay, moving on to what was going on in Melbourne for the men. Obviously, we know uh, Rafael Nadal went on to take that 250 event. It was the first 250 event that he competed in, I think, like four or five years. So obviously was looking to have some warm-up play in advance of the Australian Open, took the opportunity to compete post his positive COVID test in that warm-up event in Melbourne. A very competitive final against one Maxime Cressy. So this is the guy we want to talk about. It's always nice to talk about people who are easy on the eyes, and he would be in that category for sure. Qualified for the tournament, so played six matches en route to the final. I don't know how many of us who are uh, listening to this show are into serve and volley players, but he is sort of in that traditional serve and volley style a la Goran Ivanisevic, Pete Sampras, that kind of play. Had some really great wins, beating the number two seed Riley Opelka in three sets, taking that final set tiebreak 11-9. Also beat Dimitrov in the semifinals in uh, two tight sets and we know how well Gregor is playing towards the tail end of 2021 so to make uh, the final I believe his first final and now achieve a career high ranking of 75 it's sort of nice to see these kinds of stories and you know as a player who's sort of just outside of being able to gain sort of direct entry into some of these tournaments Having a nice run at the Australian Open will will certainly set himself up well for the 2022 season and allow him likely to be granted direct entry into some of these um, 250 and 500 level events where he'll only be able to sort of build his ranking further. So kudos to him uh, on the success in Melbourne. Played a really good match against Rafael Nadal. So I would definitely encourage... Uh, listeners to take a look at his game and take a look at his handsome face but in all seriousness uh, kudos to him for making it to the final and having a really solid match against the number one seed Rafael Nadal as for Nadal I think he is going to have a very interesting experience at the Australian Open now that 
the player that was deported is no longer in the tournament. That particular player that we shall not name for the rest of this episode has been the person who stood in his way at his opportunity at several finals and several titles in Australia. That's why he's only won one time in Australia, but he will now be one of the players, uh, obviously, that we're all going to pay attention to now, particularly since he will be the one vying for his 21st Grand Slam. So looks to be an interesting event. We'll see how it shakes down for him, but he's playing really well, particularly if you watched his results in Melbourne and how he played particularly in that final against Cressy. The final event on the men's side was in Sydney, the Sydney Tennis Classic, and kudos and congrats to Aslan Karatsev, Karats Cavs as we call him on this show, for winning his third title. The guy is just so, so good. Takes the ball early on both sides, rips the ball, particularly on the forehand, left Andy Murray with no answers really as he won the final 6-3, 6-3. He has seemingly come out of nowhere, but now we're seeing some, some consistent solid play. It is hard to believe in 2021, early in 2021, we didn't really know his name. I think a lot of folks who perhaps pay attention to the Challenger Tour maybe knew his name as he was building his ranking through the pandemic time in 2020 made the semi-final of the Australian Open last year, won in Dubai, had a solid 2021 overall. So definitely watch out for him in the draw at the Australian Open. Interesting to see Andy Murray as well. Obviously three years ago, we all thought he was gonna retire and have career ending hip surgery. To see him fight and continue to just have love for the sport that he does is truly amazing to watch the guy is fights for every point fights for every ball always trying to figure out solutions on the court was awesome to see him compete uh, in the final it would have been nice i think perhaps for some in britain to have a dan evans andy murray final but we didn't get that. We got Aslan Karatsev. So congrats to him. Congrats to Andy. It's obviously going to be nice to see him at the Australian Open. He's a five-time finalist there as well. So we'll see what happens uh, for Andy, but it's just nice to see him playing really well. The last thing I wanted to tackle with Sydney was Dan Evans. Obviously, I have a soft spot for Dan. I feel a little bit of a kindred spirit to him. I feel like we have a similar game styles. He likes to take uh, the slice on the backhand, comes over on the backhand occasionally as well. It's feisty on the court. But watching that match against Karatsev, having seen him work so hard to get through and, and win that second set, I think it was 13 to 11 in the tiebreak or 14 to 12. It went like 85 minutes for him to sit on the sidelines and I think maybe pay not enough attention to the clock. Let me let me backtrack a bit for a second. So there's a new rule led uh, as a result of Sitsi Pass and Bathroom Gate because he was taking his man bag and taking too long off the court. So there is a new rule and the new rule is as follows. Three minutes bathroom break, five minutes if you have to change your clothes. 
now where Dan Evans got into trouble and where he got into his own head and his own frustrations was the fact that he felt Aslan was taking too long. So the rule, in fact, is that the clock starts once the player gets to the bathroom. So obviously the bathroom is not a porta john that sits at the side of the court that anybody can just hop into and use and the clock starts you actually have to walk to the bathroom and the bathroom will be located in different spots depending on the venue so the clock starts for Karatsev five minutes for him to change and go to the bathroom this got Dan all up in his head as Karatsev was refreshed Fresh clothes, no longer drenched, and this caused Dan Evans some real problems as he went down 3-love in the third set in that semifinal and unfortunately was not able to recover. I think if Dan Evans watched his match back, he would realize that there was no breaking of the rule, there was no lack of enforcement of the rule. He got to the washroom came back in enough time and was ready to go. Dan Evans, if you're listening, you need to get out of your own head, focus on the solid competition in that second set and, you know, take advantage of perhaps his frustration for having lost the second set, but instead you got in your own head and uh, that cost you, I think, the match. Moving on to the ladies, let's talk first about Ash Barty. Always impressive. Always reminds us why she's number one player in the world. She did that again in Adelaide, taking the title, beating Rabakana in two easy sets, three and two. She also took out Coco Goff in a tough three-setter earlier on in the tournament, and then was fairly smooth sailing, I think, through the rest through the rest of the draw, taking out Kennan in straight sets and in the semifinal, taking out Sviantek in straight sets two and four. She is always going to have a bit of pressure, I think, leading into the Australian Open. We know she's struggled. I don't think she's made it past the semifinal, although semifinal is always a good showing in a Grand Slam. She does have, I think, the weight of expectation leading into this particular Australian Open since she's maintained consistency, since she's now the uh, defending Wimbledon champion. She will have a bit more pressure heading into her home slam. It'll just be interesting to see what shakes down for her, but it's nice to see that she was able to take a title. And I know she was supposed to play the second event uh, in Sydney, but uh, withdrew um, just to, I think, have some break and, and prepare herself for the Australian Open. So congrats to her. Over in Melbourne, there were two events happening simultaneously for the women. In Melbourne, one, Simona Halep was the winner there, taking out Kurtamatova easily in the final. Unfortunately, we did not get the final that we had hoped for with Naomi Osaka. She was forced to withdraw with, for an, with an abdominal injury. So obviously saving herself for her title defense at the Australian Open. It's unfortunate. It would have been nice to see those two compete in the final. But congrats to Simona Halep on taking another title. I know she wasn't really in the picture too much in the latter half of last season. So it's nice to see her come back. She parted ways with Darren Cahill, who's now with 
Anisimova, and Anisimova was the Melbourne 2 winner, taking out Sasnovich in the final, a tough three-setter. She played a couple of tough three-set matches on the road to grabbing her second title at uh, Melbourne 2. She destroyed Kazakina in the semifinals 2 in love. So it is nice to see Anisimova um, having a bit of a resurgence. I know she's a player that... um, Aldwin loves, he always loves himself and Anisimova movement, so nice to see her uh, take home the title, and nice to see Darren Cahill land with another player and have pretty much an immediate impact um, on her, and will nice be nice to sort of see what happens for her and Simona um, as the Australian Open kicks off in a few hours. There were two other events this week to wrap up the pre-Australian Open play for the women, one in Adelaide, and the winner there was Madison Keys. It's very cool to see her back competing. I know she struggled in the second half of 2021. Defeated Allison Risk fairly easily in the final. Another player that it's nice to see back. She has struggled with injuries over the last year, year and a bit, um, but has started to play really well. There was five Americans in quarter, in the quarterfinal of that event, so it was pretty destined that it would be a final. Many, I think, would have thought it would have been Coco Goff, but uh, Keys took out Coco Goff in three sets. Coco, unfortunately, is the player who lost to eventual winners in both those Adelaide tournaments being Ash Barty and Madison Keys. I almost said... Uh, Alicia Keys because I just watched the episode of Drag Race that featured her so almost got caught there but congrats to Madison nice to see her pick up a title her sixth of her career nice to see again um, the Americans uh, on the women's side uh, playing really well obviously having five in the quarterfinals there just nice to see and uh Watch out for Coco. I mean, she's made the semifinals in both those Adelaide tournaments, sort of similar to what I was saying um, about Marin Cilic, but on the flip side, being young and motivated and very talented. So will be interesting to see where she falls uh, in the draw. The final event was the Sydney Classic for the ladies, happening concurrently with the men. And Paula Bedosa was the winner here, continuing her fine form heading into 2022. Top, some of the top players uh, on the ladies' side were competing here. Mukruza, Krajikova, the player that shall not be named, and her bestie, Anjabur. But it was Paula Badosa who would take the title, beating Krajikova in the final. So look out for her as a player who's in form. I think any of us who are watching the WTA are looking for some consistency from some of these women. We know we're going to get it from Barty and maybe Paula Badosa is next in line to continue to sort of bring strong consistency to the tour and and definitely has a shot uh, at the Australian Open having taken this title and having won Indian Wells. So definitely look out for her. One of the interesting stories I think to watch and what we'll wrap with today is Emma Raducanu. Obviously, U.S. Open champion, someone we will be watching at the Australian Open, but she's struggled since her win there, having won 10 matches in a row. She's only won two matches since that victory. Controversially, perhaps she split ways with her coach, fired him, saying that she wanted somebody who had experience at the highest levels. It seems kind of odd to 
end that relationship with somebody who just brought you to the dance and helped you perhaps win the US Open. Maybe she doesn't necessarily feel he was part of that victory. But uh, interesting article came out early on in the new year um, with a quote from Pam Shriver who feels like it'll be another year or so before we know what the consistency level of Emma Raducanu will be. She said, I think 2022 is going to continue to be a challenge for her. I think it's going to be 2023 when we have a clearer idea of what her consistency level is going to be. I might be wrong, but it was such a sudden, unnatural step for from qualifying to winning a major. Never been done before. Followed up by all these new business partnerships, recognition, and coaching changes. Um, so that's what Pam Shriver had to say. It'd be interesting to hear what you guys think about the prospects for Emma Raducanu. Uh, again, we love us some WTA. We would love to see more consistency and a, a player that might come forward who can dominate. Right now we have Ash Barty, I think, in that lane. And she sort of lives alone, particularly with the absence of someone like Serena. Naomi, while consistent um, seemingly at the slam level, she uh, hasn't really had the similar form translate onto the tour. Emma came out of nowhere, as we know, and we want to see her continue to do well, but um, remains to be seen how she'll be able to do since she's been struggling the last few months. And as Pam points out, uh, focused on a lot of uh, different things outside of the sport that can distract. She's obviously young and you want to capitalize on some of those things. But tennis is sort of what uh, brought you to the dance and what brings you those opportunities. So hopefully, I think we all were mesmerized by that performance and hope that she can continue to grow in the sport. But uh, again, will remains to be seen sort of what will take shape for Emma in 2022. Speaking of endorsements before we go, shout out to Layla Fernandez, continues to rack up some of those endorsements, seen a Google Pixel, she's now with Lululemon in terms of her kits, and uh, saw another post where she's partnered with Gatorade, so kudos to her, hopefully she, along with Emma, can focus uh, as much on the court as well as racking up those endorsements. All right, hope you enjoy all of the action so far and uh, hope you'll enjoy the kickoff to AO 2022. We're here for your tennis-tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is, but if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.